All right, how's it going, everybody? You got Eric here with Warrior Mindset and Motivation, and I got a special treat for y'all today. This this year, we're going to go back in time now, uh, going back 20 years. Good best friend of mine, met him when he first joined the Army, and so did I back in the year 2000. Some of y'all probably weren't alive back then and were little kids back then, but uh, I got active duty, First Sergeant Lewis Alisea, good friend of mine. Uh, we did a lot of things together. Uh, he did his own. He went his own way. I went mine. And we kind of lost touch for a little while. And that kind of happens. But in the veteran community, you can not talk to someone for a long time. And then you can pick up and talk to them. And it'll seem like yesterday. And that that's kind of what happened with us. We both went through our little things uh, on our own sides. And then we rekindled and talked. And then here we are today. And I thought of him today to do this because he was one guy that would always tell it to me straight no matter what. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff today as well as uh, his achievements and things he's done in his career and how just honesty is the best policy. So, uh, Lewis, go ahead and give these viewers here and everybody a little bit overview about what, you, uh, what you've done and a little bit of bio about yourself. So, as my bio says, uh, I'm originally from New York. I'm from the Bronx, Puerto Rican, if anybody needs to know that much. But... Um, I joined the Army in 2000, so, and then my first duty station was Fort Bragg. That's where I met Eric. Um, we were young soldiers over there in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, we did two deployments together. It was peacekeeping deployments, to not get it confused with uh, combat tours. Um, shortly after that, I did my three years. I got out, did nine months in the reserves in Florida. Um, that's where I went to a transportation company as a Mike. They were going to send me back to an AIT to drive petroleum trucks. Uh, I didn't like that idea. Also the school, I was trying to go to school for drafting. That wasn't working out. Just came back into active duty, doing the same thing I did before, which was uh, fire direction as an artilleryman, um, which is what Eric is the other side of artillery. One of the other sides of artillery, he was a cannoneer. So I gave him all the information. He shoots it. Then I went to Germany. So coming back in, it took me to Germany. In Germany, I had two combat tours immediately upon getting to Germany. I, was, I got there in April of 04. In June, I went to Iraq for their extension of the, the unit's extension. They, they got extended for another three months. Then I went to the sec, uh, second tour in Iraq. That's where I got injured. Then from there on, it just took off. You know, my career took off. Uh, I got picked, I picked up staff sergeant pretty quick. I made up for all that lost, the, that lost time of nine months. I went to back to Fort Bragg, back to 3rd Battalion, 321, back, um, back to the Thunderbolts. Um, great, great unit. You know, I had to have fun. Went to Afghanistan with them. Um, we know some couple, a couple, we know a soldier there. So Kalani Kalama, he's out there watching. Um, mm -hmm. we both served with him. I remember him as a 17 year old private, good dude. He's actually, I'm serving with him again now. Um, great, great NCO, great leader. Uh, from North Carolina, went to Louisiana, did some OC things, went to Alaska, jumped out of planes for a couple of years. Went to Indiana, taught ROTC in a Big Ten college, Indiana University. Um, go Hoosiers. They actually had some good football recently. Uh, from there, I went to Camp Casey, Korea, did some um, rockets. And currently in Fort Drum, you know, just doing the, the first sergeant gig. And soon, you know, about six, seven months down the line, I'll transition out to Army and, you know, go and pursue a career or something in the fitness industry, as I, as I mentioned in my bio. If not, just something I can get back to the community with, like team development and leadership, which is something I, I, I like. Um, but I think sports is, is the outlet that you can develop young minds, which is probably the younger generation that I'm looking at. So athletes, because they got to drive to want to excel at times. So that's kind of like the little bio of what I've done in the last 
20 plus years because I'm going to 21 years right now of doing this. Right. So, and that's pretty, and I remember too, when we would be down there, young soldiers, and you were not a runner. Like you in running no. was like oil and water that did not mix. And you would be like my shins, my knees and everything. And now that I see you, uh, yeah, I'm I crushing see you. Yeah, I see you running now, and I'm like, dang, he's running these miles fast with the times. And now it's like, dang, it's it's great to actually see you actually get through all that stuff and you know condition now. Fast. And I see you, it's you're looking good, man. Long distance. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just it's that long distance is not good for you. <laughs> I remember. Now I'm like, crushing oh. him. I'm crushing him. Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta um, work on it. So like, I know that um you had that transition going from active duty to reserves. How did you feel during that part? Because I know that I remember that there was a little bit of kind of like back then they didn't really have things cemented right away and they were changing policies on the time limit to re-enlist and not to re-enlist. And I know we went through kind of a struggle trying to get through that. So like, what were you feeling at that time? Cause I know well, that. I, I think at the time, you know, the um, just how the transition wasn't solidified and, you know, being young, I was, you know, I was 21, but I was still pretty young minded, you know, just doing the army thing. And just, I, I had goals of wanting to do one thing, which was drafting, you know, architecture, and trying to find a school and transition, uh, it, it was pretty rough. You know, I, I was single at the time. I was dating a girl, trying to marry the girl, um, trying to do the adult thing. But then I also um, had a transition out the army um, just because I didn't think that was for me. So it, it was tough. I went to Florida. I did the reserves. The reserve was not the same atmosphere, not the same camaraderie that we have in the active duty. Then from artillery to a transportation company, that was like a different a different world. They just talk a different language, in my opinion. Uh, you know, we're, we say battery, we say section chiefs. Now I'm like learning new terminology that I'm like, okay, these, these guys are like, you know, like my FTC guys that I had back in the day. So it, it was, it was different. And then at the same time, you know, I had to like, what is it that I'm going to do with this school? And it was just, it wasn't panning out to be what I wanted to be. So it only lasted nine months where I, then I, I asked the reserves for a conditional release because I wanted to go back to active duty. But I knew that I make decisions really quick, uh, which is one of my strong suits. I never like just let something sit and like, oh, then I'm, you know, like this is going downhill and I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. Now, I, I try to make decisions real quick to ensure that I keep driving forward and, and meet goals. So I think, you know, I was always a good soldier. I was you know, one of the better ones in my MOS task. I was well-rounded. You know, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. So it's not to say that I was you know, strong and everything, but I was well-rounded. And I was like, well, you know, I was always a good soldier, so why not try active duty again and see where that takes me? Um, didn't think it was going to go to the 20-year route either. Um, just saying, okay, maybe go back, you know, kind of reset at something that I was doing and I was good at and then just continue from there and possibly then either get out and get a better plan to get out or continue serving, which obviously everybody knows which one I chose at this point. Yeah, you're still, you're still there. And I like how you talked about making quick decisions because I think when you're in a good unit and you have good leadership, they push you and they enable you to make decisions quickly, but not hastily or rashly either. You, they, they teach you, especially at Fort Bragg. I still think that is one of the best uh, units I was in because of the camaraderie and the deployments I did with them was just so tight. And they had the ability to teach us how to make decisions so quick and be able to see the entire fan of everything and say, okay, this way go. And it may not have been right all the time because, you know, sometimes decisions aren't correct, but they at least taught us how to do that. And it's obviously been working for you because you've made it up to, to first sergeant now. And that's a that's a 
very prestigious title to get because not a lot of people get that. A lot of people get to the rank of master sergeant and never transition over to be a first sergeant because of however it works or just availability and slots. So that alone is an achievement. And I, I attribute that to Fort Bragg kind of teaching you and molding you and being able to do that and being in the artillery community because, you know, everything has to be, as we say in the artillery, dress right dress. And if it's not, you're going to keep doing it till it is. Chase that last mill, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think we have different, the, the, the generation of leaders that we had back then, you know, just to name a few. Uh, obviously, my big brother, Derek Pickney, but people like Gunny Beard, who's still on my Facebook, yeah. so if you watches this, Gunny Beard, my old chief, Boris Battle. Um, that the generation of leaders that we had back then, um, they continue to be leaders even through my transition out of the army. They continue to be leaders for me and mentors to this day. You know, every once in a while, I'll get a Facebook message, I'll get a Facebook post on, "Hey, how you doing?" And it kind of feels weird because sometimes, you know, you got those individuals that they were the, your gunnery sergeants, your sergeant first classes, um, your staff sergeants, and they're like, "Hey, first sergeant, how you doing?" Like, I don't even consider myself a first time next to you. You know, you're one of my mentors. So I think that the, the the generation of leaders actually knew how to mentor and how to continue to be a leader, even you know years after the fact that you've left their formation, and even after the fact they've left the formation because a lot of these guys are retired right now, and they continue to to check up on me, continue you know continue to have discussions um, about where is life going, you know, are we you know in a depressed mode right now. And how do we pick ourselves back up? So a lot of a lot of these leaders nowadays, they just um, and this is you know outside of the realm of just military. I think just people in general who consider themselves leaders, a lot of times they just focus on their little team, you know. And sometimes you have to focus on the team that you're on and not the team that you lead, you know. So for example, if you're you're in a fire team, you lead four to five soldiers, but you're in a you're a bigger scope. You're you're part of a squad who's part of a platoon, who's part of you know um, a battery company troop, whatever it is you want to say. And obviously, echelons above that, and it's the same thing as you know a worker in Walmart. You know the cashier, right? You know the, the person, the cashier, the manager. They're all part of the, the Walmart family. Walmart is part of a bigger picture that we just don't see. So um, the leaders back then they understood that, so they, they were always out there giving you mentorship and 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 leadership even after the fact that you left the formation because they know that the big picture was you're still part of the army team. You know, it's, and, and again, I got friends who are Marines and I check up on them as well, because at the end of the day, we're part of the Department of Defense. So I think leadership was just it was different for, for the generation. I think they understood it a different way. I think that's how I evolved my leadership around it. It's just always check up on these um, individuals. I do it to like um, the lieutenants now. They're lieutenants. But like cadets that I had when I was in OTC, and I check up on them every once in a while. I send a, a random text. Hey, how you doing? How's life? How's, how's the army going? Do you plan on transitioning out? What are your plans? If you don't have plans, what are you planning to do? Stay a couple of years and just figure it out. Because, you know, I'm, I'm living proof that sometimes you just can't get out if you don't have a plan. It's not going to go right. So right. I think just the leadership was very different back then. Right. And it is. It's very true. And I see it now. I saw it as I was transitioning out. It's just it, 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 and it's not really. I think it's just the direction of like how the military structured now, where before it was like there was no like, oh, let me kick you out let me do no they they forced you to do the way and you would get surrounded and you either complied or they forced you to comply you know there well, was yeah, uh, like you said, um, the thing about compliance that I, I you know like i personally just don't like is if you're part of a team and you're, you want to be part of a team you need to be committed and that's where you know we have classes about is it commitment or is it compliance 
Um, we want people who are committed to a team because they, you know, if you're committed, you want to do it because, you know, it's, it's in you. It's something intrinsic in you that you just want to do. Um, compliance, you're doing it because somebody's telling you. Nobody wants to just be told to do things. You know, I think it's the approach, you know, like, hey, do this for me, you know, do me a favor, even though I can tell you to do it because of my, my title rank, um, or whatever it is, you know, that organizations hold over other individuals. Cause I don't even like the word subordinate because I don't think I'm better than you. I think I just, I was born in 82 and you were born in 92. So obviously you came in the army, 10 year difference. Um, so a lot of times we have to look at, like you said, compliance. So sometimes we have to look at commitment versus compliance and what we want out of um, individuals that work for us, not subordinates, just other people that work for us is commitment, commitment to the organization, commitment to what the cause, commitment to what we're doing. Um, and not necessarily compliance. Because is there going to be a level of compliance? Yes, absolutely. There's going to be times you have to tell somebody you're going to do it because this is in your you know daily duties and scopes of what you got to do. But what you really seek to do is to have people who are committed to the team. Right. And I think the <clears throat> the core message behind that one is, is, you know, you want people to follow you and to, to kind of do what you do and you want them to do it because they want to not because they have to and when you have those two differences if you, if people work for you because they want to you're going to get a better result where right, they right, have right. to they're just going to do just enough to check the block and be like oh good enough i'm good he's just whatever i'm just doing it because he said and it shows the work um the quality of the product that gets put out and you can tell when you have uh people working for you who want to because they'll put the effort they'll put the drive and they'll try to get it done versus those who uh, are forced to do something or have to as well. I think when you're committed, when when you get people who are committed to the cause and committed to what you do and committed to to the team, it's because they find you as a leader and not a manager. That's another thing that people don't know how to differentiate, you know, um, leadership and management. Um, So if I like, I already, you know, I I was already a platoon sergeant. I was already, a staff sergeant, I was already a sergeant. So since I've done those jobs, I know how to do them. I obviously surpassed them and can, can, kept getting ranked. So a lot of times people who are managers continue to really dictate, which is what we call micromanaging, um, how people do those jobs because that's what they're good at. They've already done that job. They surpassed that level. So they're good at it so they can micromanage that job. Instead of providing leadership, they're providing management. And a lot of times with management, you get compliance because you're going to get somebody to say, hey, I want you to do it this way because it's how I used to do it. And they're like, okay, roger that. I'll do it. That's compliance. Instead of saying, you know, providing leadership and some guidance and letting the person just run with it and, and, and like making up their own decisions on how to, you know, tackle that task, obstacle, you know, and whatever it is that they're trying to do. Right. And, and I even, I even use it now. I even, even with what I do and now and what I'm doing, I use, I, I take a little part of the creative non-commission officer because it's true because it applies to everything. And I kind of change it up and I just say, I try to provide purpose, direction, and motivation for people to be the better version of themselves. And it's funny how back then, like, yeah, it was the, the creed of the non-commissioned officer and it has what we were supposed to do as soldiers. But if you read it, for those who, who are wondering what that is, go ahead and look up the creed of the non-commissioned officer or the NCO creed. Take a look and read it. And a lot of it actually applies to civilian life. Yeah, you might have to switch out a couple of words like soldier and this. But if you think about it and you're a boss or a, or a manager or a CEO or just managing people, take a look at that. And you might be able to apply all of that or most of it to your company now or to your place. And that's what 
Lewis and I have been taught is to follow that because if you follow that, you can't go wrong. And I'm doing okay. He's doing well and he's about to retire. So we follow that creed and it, and it will set you up for success. Um, and I think that's, that's the main part of what we're talking about here is just taking care of people, making sure people reach out and just looking out for them. Like how he sends messages to lieutenants and we know lieutenants, they can't, find their way out of a barn with the door open sometimes. And that's okay. That means we just have to grab them and say, hey, look, sir, ma'am, look that way. And it kind of works like that with a job too. You don't have a bad employee. Sometimes you just have a bad boss or a manager and they need right. some more. And I think a lot of times people just got to realize like, um, just because you're in charge doesn't mean that you're in charge of the people. You actually work for the people, which is you know what we call servant leadership. Um, you have to be a servant leader. You got to serve those people that um, that work for you at some point, you gotta be empathetic to what they're going through. Everybody goes through life stresses, which we talked about prior to, to getting on, on the live session. Um, so to be a leader is to understand servant leadership, is to understand empathy, to, to be self-aware, um, to know who you are, to, to regulate how, how you act with others, um, which is, you know, this goes back to what I was telling you before we were in a live session, it goes back to, um, emotional intelligence is a great book. It's called Emotion, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Um, I can't remember the author. Very small book, very easy read. And it just goes about, you know, empathy, um, social skills, motivation, self-awareness, self-regulation. And um, I take all that and I'm like, you know, that's pretty much leadership. Um, and I got used, and as you say, with purpose, direction, motivation, one of the biggest things is giving people purpose. What is purpose? Um, and it's understanding that purpose is the why. Why is it that you're doing this, you know? which in our generation, you know, the new generation of individuals coming up in, you know, corporate America or even the military, whatever it is, a lot of people want to know the why. Why is it that I'm doing this? Um, where a couple years ago, even 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was just, just do it because I'm telling you to do it. But if you provide people a why, you provide people a purpose. So, hey, do this because X, Y, and Z. You know, do exercise because it gets you healthier to X, Y, and Z, which is something I always go and revert back to is fitness. And everybody will tell you you'll go into fitness and find a way into fitness or sports. But um, you have to give people the why and you have to give people a purpose, which, um, again, big reader. I try to read a lot of leadership books. Um, start with the why and Leaders Eat Last from Simon Sinek. Great books for people to read because it just deals with leadership in general. It just deals with how to be a leader, not necessarily an army leader or corporate you know, um, corporate leader in, in America. Uh, it's just, this is what a person should do or, you know, needs to do if they want to consider themselves a leader and providing purpose, direction, motivations, providing the why is providing guidance. Um, it's showing them how to do it because you're leading by example, being the example and not just, hey, do this, you know, like the whole, um, what is it? Um, do as I say, not as I do. Like that doesn't work, you know? It doesn't yeah. matter where it can be in McDonald's and it's just not going to work. You know, nobody's going to yeah. nobody's going to follow that. You know, right. you have no, to lead by example. That's totally true, and that that mentality doesn't really work. And as we saw, um, I think you were there at the time when we were at Fort Bragg, and there was like a period in time where I could have swore the devil handpicked the entire leadership because it was so bad, like just the toxic. Just for that year, it was so bad. And they all pushed out and then we went and then we deployed and it was great. So it's like, it's incredible what certain people can do to influence an organization and the also climate. Situations. Certain, situations, certain situations bring people together, you know, so deployments, 
I think the camaraderie and deployments is something you don't get anywhere else. So, you know, like when I deployed in 2006 to Iraq and everybody who was involved in that, that, that incident that I was involved in, like the camaraderie is, is just so, even to this day, we still look out for each other. So at times the situations dictate also the leadership and people's mindset, you know, because um, we do talk about a lot of mindset in this with you. It's people's mindset change when they actually go through some traumatic event together. It brings people closer because now, you know, sometimes you realize the reality of what what is and could have happened and what is not. Like, you know, so sometimes people actually do change to realize, you know, like, man, I, maybe I'm not being the leader that I am. Um, which goes back to what I was saying before. It's that whole self-awareness, self-regulation. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and, and reassess that because maybe you were um, not so great, you know, let's not use the word toxic, let's just say not so great leader. And and now you're, you just, you have to realize that maybe you went through a traumatic event yourself that changed your outlook in life. And you say, look in the mirror, because every day we're getting better. You know, we're going to make mistakes today, tomorrow. Um, there's nobody here that's perfect or righteous. So it's every day is just looking at those things and say, how can I make myself better? How can I be self-aware of what I'm doing to make myself better? Um, and if we learn from our own mistakes, um, I don't think there's ever a good day or a bad day. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's lessons. Everything's a lesson. So right. if, you know, everything's a lesson. Yeah, we're going to go out there and say a bad day. It's kind of when people ask me, hey, how you doing? And I'm like alive. And like, they just look at me. I'm alive. So it doesn't matter if I'm having a bad day. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I, I can see. I can, you know, hug my mom if I need to, you know, FaceTime my family because I'm always remote. So there's there's ways um, to to connect with people. And a lot of times leadership is connecting with people. It's a people business. Leadership is a people business. So a lot of times leaders who, you know, we use the word toxic is because they bleed, you know, that bleeds into everybody else. That, that, that type of atmosphere, those type of actions just continues to bleed. And what you want is the good things to stick, but not the bad things. So sometimes you have to go back home. Um, or you have to go through a traumatic event together at times um, to realize maybe I do need to change. Maybe, you know, there is something in me that I, I may have to reassess. And that's where it goes back to having that emotional intelligence. Because there's a lot of people who have IQ, which is intellect. They're smart people, book smart, you know, academically, they're smart, but they don't have that emotion. You know, they're detached, they're depressed or something. And sometimes we just have to, you know, pretty much look at ourselves and, and say, you know, how can I get my mindset? my mindset right so I can get back into, you know, being a people person and eventually getting after, you know, good, if we want to say leadership, then get after the leadership if we're in charge of um, individuals uh, at some point in our lives. Right. And that, and it's good because it says, it said that's a good segue into what I'm going to talk about next and talk about what happened to you when you were deployed and kind of just what were the, and I know because I was hit also. So I know there's before effects, there's before thoughts because you kind of see it and you you see what's going on and then boom, it happens. And then the after. So if you get if you if you're comfortable, you can give us a little walkthrough about maybe the before, the during and the after. What were your feelings? What were your thoughts? And after you kind of go over that, we'll, we'll we'll dive a little bit into that one. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, September 14, 2006. Um we were in Iraq, so, and we were not in a combat outpost. And basically, I was doing QRF, so it was, you know, everybody knows if you don't know QRF, quick reactionary force. So basically, when things get bad, we're the ones, when people are pulling out, we're still going in and, and need, to, need to help individuals and react and um, help individuals out to, to get out of a, a bad situation. Um, but eventually, they were targeting us, you know, because we were pretty much in one location. Uh, 
a dump truck came in, came in. The reports, according to the reports, it was approximately 1,000 pounds of C4. People don't know what C4 is. It's plastic explosive. Um, individual parked itself right in front of our um, the substation where we live in a power plant. So it's kind of like a little building. Parked himself up, detonated himself. At first, we thought it was a mortar because I was inside the building. So all we saw was a flashbang, and then it just went dark. Um, after that, you know, it's kind of like a movie at times. It's kind of like you watching a movie reel and things go slow. The room went dark. I was flying somewhere. Um, I saw a light, saw a silhouette. I just ran towards it. The silhouette, I just picked it up, ended up being my driver. Um, he had a he had a bad injury to his leg, kind of just took my shirt off, um, kind of patched him up a little bit, you know, did my best. Then after that, there was a, a, no, a number of injuries. So we, we kind of went around a lot of NCOs, kind of a lot, a lot of people. We just went around trying to triage individuals and help them out. Um, one of my, my mentors, which I've mentioned earlier, uh, my big brother, Derek Pigney, was one of those guys. I, I tried to help him out with his injuries. And we just kept helping people out. Um, I try to put out the fires of, of burning vehicles, burning Humvees, and just, you know, try to contain this situation. We don't know what, it, you know, we, at that point, we still don't know what happened. We just know it was a blast and there's a number of injuries. Um, came out that, you know, there was three individuals that passed away that day, you know, so rest in peace uh, for those three individuals. One of them used to be my old roommate. Um, so that hit hard, you know, that hit a lot of us hard. It still hits us hard to this day. Um, a lot of us are, you know, follow each other on Facebook and whatnot. So Sergeant Aaron Smith, it hits us really hard. But, you know, Jennifer Hartman, so I'm Jennifer Hartman and Corporal Marcus Kane, they passed away. The two males were recently new fathers at the time. Um, but you're not thinking about that. At the moment, you're just thinking about trying to save people's lives and get people out, out of it. You know, my gunnery sergeant, I tried to help him out. Um, he had a bad leg. My gunnery sergeant was a big guy, you know, six foot something, big dude. I don't know. He's out there. I'm, I'm five six. I'm like, how many practice guy out? Um, but you know, to tell you the truth, we had great motivation. You know, uh, there was one infantry platoon, one artillery platoon, which most of the time you think we're not meshing together, but we're at the end of the day, we're soldiers, and and mm -hmm. we out here to fight together. Um, we ended up going to the cash, um, the combat support hospital. The you know, individuals don't know what that means. It's CSH cash. Um, so a lot of people got medevaced out. I got medevaced out pretty late because I, um, I neglected to. To get aid, I was I had a laceration to the head, laceration to my wrist, my back is all messed up. But I, I just refused it. My mind, to me, it was more important to get my soldiers out and get people who were severely injured out of there. But eventually, we all got into the cash. We have you know, a lot of us got had great attitudes, even though the, the injuries were severe. Some people obviously didn't have as great attitudes, but you know it's it comes with what happens. Um, I, I remember I, I sat down in a wheelchair because I couldn't feel my legs. I had to call my parents. I just called my mom. Um, and I told her about it. You know, I downplayed it a little bit. Uh, that's what you do. Right. And your mom's a sweet lady, too. Right, right. Um, but besides, you know, after that, you know, I went back home. Things back home, things were not good with, you know, with my mind as far as, you know, the, the reoccurring theme of what happened was um, uh, when I was sleeping, it came up. So, you know, I, I went to go seek some help. So, uh, the stigma of behavioral health is this thing that is so negative, which is not, you know, go out there and seek some, seek some help, seek some advice from people who, who are experts at, at trying to get your mind right, you know, get, get, get a healthy mind. Um, but I overcame that. And that's when I started finding fitness and, and trying to figure out like, you know, um, I can get myself better. Um, and I just think that fitness got my mind to, to realize I can surpass these injuries. And even though I do have flare ups, like I've had this week, where I can't walk, I can't do certain things. Normally, I'm crushing things. 
So it, it, it lets it, it lets me forget that you know I'm I'm this individual that has some underlying issues that sometimes do prevent me from doing things. So um, fitness was my outlet, and I think that's what we need to do is just find a way to 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 let those emotions out. Um, I also find poetry. I always was good at writing, but I never really like honed in on it. Um, yeah. So I write poems, like I, I discussed earlier. I got a couple poems. A lot of people have not read them. They're all military related. Uh, and I'm trying to write a, a poem book to, to like just let those emotions out. And I'm trying to get stories from veterans. If there's anybody out there who wants to contact me, tell me your story. I'll try to change, you know, put it into a poem setting um, and, and get that into, into a book that I want to publish just to get these emotions that we all have as veterans and combat veterans um, out there. And it, I mean, it was tough. You know, you, you have to deal with it. You, you have to talk about it. Um, so when people say, are you comfortable talking about it? I think you have to. You have to talk about it. You got to let it out. And eventually it becomes easier to talk about it. The first couple of years, it was hard. It was hard to watch military movies with funerals. You know, you get teary-eyed. You go through the emotions. But eventually, you you, you know, you learn to, to cope with it and you find your coping mechanisms to get there. For me, it's been fitness because when I when I get under a barbell, when I start working out, when I'm going on a run, it's just me and the pavement, me and the weights. And it's that's it. And my music, whatever I'm listening to at the time, it be Spanish music, some hip hop, or sometimes R&B, which is what calms me down for you know an eight, ten mile run, you know. But um, I think we have to learn how to cope with those things. But we have to seek help. I think at the same time, we have to seek help through experts, um, so we can find how to how do we cope best? Because not everybody copes best. Not not everybody's going to go out there and go on a run and lift some weights or write poetry. Some people are going to draw. Some people are going to go sing. Some people are um are going to do different things I, I don't even know watch movies whatever the case may be go to the funeral sites of, of some of their foreign commerce i haven't done it myself i don't know why i just can't find myself to do it just yet maybe one year that will come but um throughout the years it gets easier is you don't forget i don't think you ever forget you're a combat vet you don't ever forget you know, the individuals that, that passed away who made the ultimate sacrifice for for all of us because you know when i tell people when we deploy we deploy for each other at the end of the day, we, we don't do it for anybody else because it's you and me out there in the sandbox. So whether we do it for each other, but you learn how to cope with it. And every day, you know, every day is a struggle. So, you know, my, I just had a flare up of my back the last two days. And it's a struggle because sometimes you're out there, you're, 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 out, you're by yourself with the pain. You can't roll over in bed and you're just, what do I do? And you just got to find your coping mechanism. Turn, in, turn on your music, write a couple notes down um, from your next poem or at least for my next poem. Um, and then just try to, you know, go out there. I coach when I coach my, you know, coach people. It just, it, it like, it's a fire in me to just get them to the next level, to get them better. And just, I just forget about everything. But it's, it's not, it's not easy. And I'm sure there's people who've been through worse experiences out there, um, and they find their coping mechanism. But you have to find a way to cope. You have to find a way to get the mind healthy. Because um, once, you, once you got a strong mind, your body will follow. Your body's amazing. It's, it's amazing at what it can do. But your mind has to follow. And it's not having a weak mind. It's not being weak. I think there's a lot of strength in showing vulnerability um, when you actually have some issues that you want to discuss and, uh, and talk about. I think it takes real strength to say, hey, look, I have an issue. Yes, I was wrong. Or yes, this makes me emotional. Yes, I'm a male and I cry. And, you know, I cry by myself. It's OK to say those things. Where a lot of people just don't swallow their pride nowadays and just, you know, um, have negative, negative stigma behind, you know, males crying, you know, that's kind of sexist and everybody can cry, you know, it's an emotion. Yeah. Um, and I think you just got to find uh, it. I think with that, um, uh, my girlfriend actually said it best when it talks about guys crying, she would actually say, 
people or guys who are talking about I don't cry, she she made it a point, and it's actually right. She said, "What was the first thing you did when you were born? You cried." So you talking about you don't cry? That's a learned behavior. That's that's the stigma of of society saying men are allowed to cry when the first thing that we did as men, males, we cried when we came out of the womb. There was the open mouth, you know, and then cry. Right. So we but it's an emotion, and you you can show emotion. I think showing emotion is is showing your human side. Is is showing people that you're you are a person. You know, we're we're soldiers. Yes, we we we're designed, and um, we're not designed, but we're we're trained to do certain things. You know, we were artillerymen, so artillery is a very destructive um, weapon system. We can cause damage, but at the end of the day, we're people, um, and at some point, everything comes to an end. You know. Like you take off the uniform uh, and you become a person again and you have to learn how to become a person. You need to learn, you know, how to be empathetic to what people go through. You know, there, there are people out there that lost their mothers, fathers, daughters, sons to, you know, the, the war uh, on terrorism. And then prior to us, you know, the Vietnam, the Korea War, World War II vets where we're losing at an alarming rate. It's very few of them, um, you know. But it's okay for a 90-year-old to cry, but if you're 30 years old, 20 years old, just came out of combat, it's like, hey, you know what you're, you signed up to do? Yeah, I signed up. I know what I signed up to do. I didn't sign up to lose friends either, you know? Yeah. Um, and then after that, you, you, know, you lose friends to suicides. You lose friends to other things outside of the combat, which then comes, you know, other emotions that go through you. You know, one of my soldiers blamed himself for what happened and in 2010 um, committed suicide. You know, I got that note, you know, and... How can you not cry when there's a mother that calls you in tears and says, hey, is this Sergeant Luis Alicea? And yes, ma'am. Did you know such and such? Absolutely. Well, he did this last night. How can you just not show emotion? You know, that is yeah, there's, there's no way. Do, you, know? you know, to this day, you know, I got right here. I got his. Um, that's the day he committed. You know, I got my. Um, you know, I got your six. Tattooed on me, semicolon, which stands for suicide awareness and teal. But um, we have to we have to look out for each other, you know, because uh, sometimes the mind the mind is strong. It's going to cause people to do some things that are are just not good. You know, suicide is not good, and, and we're losing veterans at an alarming rate because they're not seeking help. And I think we have to you know reach out and, and let them know, hey, call me, I'm out there. You know, we'll talk about it. You know, we can FaceTime. IG, whatever, you know, whatever um, platform. I don't have a lot of platforms out there, but if there's a veteran out there that needs help and I need to get a platform, I'll get it. Because we're, we're losing veterans at an alarming rate and we're losing soldiers at an alarming rate. We're just losing people at an alarming rate to, to like things like suicide. Um, because the you know, their mind, they're, they're not they're not taking care of their mind at times, or there's somebody out there that's just not seeking them out, they leave them out there in isolation and loneliness. And sometimes we have to seek people out and we have to know ourselves and say, hey, I'm, I'm getting to this depressed mode. I got to for me, it's I got to go lift weights. You know, nowadays it's I got to go lift weights. I got to go. And that's the day I got to lift heavy. It's, you know, 350 plus deadlifts. It's 300 plus squats. You know, it's a day I, I, I want this to this mind to just be focused on something other than these emotions. But as I'm going through it, I'm, you know, I'm emotional. I'm thinking about my body. I'm thinking about the experiences. Um, but you learn, you learn to cope and you get, you get, you learn to how to deal with it so you can better help somebody else in the future as well. Right. And that, that's a lot of good points you, you talked about there, man. 
like it is it's it's crazy um and the mind like how you said the mind is powerful and one thing i've always said is uh you can either make your mind your friend or you or you can make it your enemy you have to choose which one you want it to be because that when everything is said and done overall you have that choice there's a choice for every action that you make even when you say oh i have no choice but you do you do have choice you have a choice to go left or you have a choice to go right now the right path could be blocked but you can still choose to go right it's just you're going to go left instead but there's always a choice and i think when it comes to that i know i went through some pretty dark times of myself where i i almost um committed suicide twice with everything that was going on and it it was at that time it just seemed like everything was off i was turned off there was a it was just dark and you and that's where you have to have a really good support system in play when you go through those things and it, it's imperative that you do so that way you don't feel by yourself so when those triggers start happening it's almost like a muscle memory automatic response like okay i'm getting in this mode hold on hold on nope i need to call this person or right. nope okay. i need to go for you i need to go to the gym or let yeah, me write this stuff down on paper so it's it's all the little things that um that that you have to put into your brain to make your mind your ally so that way then when the when that dark uh cloud starts coming in in that enemy the mind which is your ally kind of goes uh uh you're it's no time for this you need to go and you let those two battle it out and then as they're battling it out you're working out you're drawing, you're putting your music, or you get up and start dancing for no reason and look for stuff that's optimistic and positive to kind of get you back on the right track. Um, right, right. And now that as we talked about all the, the the deep stuff there, going back, you know, through time and history, now we're going to we're gonna lunge towards the future a little bit. And I know you got some retirement plans to go do some things with sports medicine and stuff. Um, so what what is the plan? Do you have anything set up? Are you trying to start your own business? Are you trying to franchise? Are you going to try to join um, Derek Pickney and his endeavors? Or what, what's what's your plan? A little last thing before we wrap it up. So, um, yeah, I want to work in the fitness, fitness industry right now. Um, nothing's set in stone. I, you know, I'm still pursuing my bachelor's degree. I'm currently in a class right now. Um, it's an anatomy class. It's pretty tough. But um and I, I'm still pursuing enough, uh, some other certifications. My strength and conditioning certification, which is the real big one that I really want, I need a bachelor's for, so I have to complete my bachelor's. But I want to be kind of like a tactical strength and conditioning. So I want to help out the veteran community. I also want to help out like first responders, SWAT teams, people like that, and create these workouts that are more transferable to their skills that they're going to use as soldiers, first responders. Um, at the same time, I want to make sure that I can get into the youth community, you know, like youth sports. And teach kids how to, you know, what is team development? What is team climate? What is leadership? Because um, sometimes you don't have to be the most talented in a team to lead a team. You know, uh, I know that sometimes that's kind of like what they want to see. You know, they, you take people like LeBron James, super talented individual, leads his team to X, Y, and Z. But that doesn't always have to happen. You can be the, lead, the least talented individual and still have the leadership attributes, competencies, um, to go out there and lead somebody to greatness. So it's kind of something I want to do as well, but I want to do it through fitness and sports. Um, I'm always going to help out my, um, my battle buddy, my brother, Derek Pickney. He does great things. Um, I'm on his website as a motivational blogger. If anybody follows my IG, there's no, just, it's just quotes. What I write is quotes and messages under my picture. Maybe the picture may not tie into it. It may be a selfie. I get it. But 
Um, if you read, there's, there's always some type of motivational quotes. I used to have a poem page. I took it down. Um, I want to focus on the book. Um, but the, the, the future is not set in stone. I'm working so, towards certain things. I'm also working with my brother, who's also a service member. Um, needless to say, you know, Sergeant Alicea, right? Um, but he's my older brother, biological older brother. And he has his own graphic design company. So, you know, we're trying to get elevate that to the next level. We're trying to get an apparel company, which we do have. We sell like dad hats and have our logo. Our logo stands for something. It's kind of symbolic of a crown. Um, and we're both, you know, military service members. So we're, we're big with the veterans and working with veterans out there. Um, so we're trying to launch that. And hopefully that gets big as well. So we can then get a go out there and, and sell hats and T-shirts and do things and, and, and whatnot. So there's a couple business ventures out there. People have posed this, the idea of me starting my own gym. I've also um, thought about the idea of going to like one of the big gyms, like an 8 Fitness or 24-Hour Fitness, one of the big ones, and introduce tactical fitness. You know, instead of you know, what people call boot camps, and instead of like, okay, this is a boot camp, but it's kind of like let's do some tactical fitness, and it's not necessarily um, just for the the veteran community or you know the future veteran community or individuals and first responders or whatnot. It's also for, for those individuals who just wanted something different out of fitness. It's, you know, dragging a, uh, a rescue Randy dummy, you know, putting uh, a plate carry on and doing some type of reps and repetitions to, to some type of functional fitness. So it's, that's kind of what I want to get into. Um, there's nothing set in stone, but I know I need the education as well. I just found out that um, there's a, a university program that just opened up a master's program for tactical strength and conditioning, which I was like, I know y'all made that for me. I, I'm sure they did. Um, I know it for a fact. I, they just, they were reading my mind. So I'm, that's I'm, immediately after I finish, I'm probably not, I'm probably not going to take a break. I'm going to apply. I mean, I, I did apply to school before, so I got accepted to it. So I, I'm sure I get accepted again, use my Montgomery GI Bill and do that. But at the end of the day, um, I'm going to be retired. So I'm just looking at doing something that's fun and give back to, to people and, you know, not work as hard as I do now, you know, just, you know, a little bit, a lot more family time. You know, I've missed out yeah. a lot of my family. I know my family and hopefully they get to watch this. I've missed out on a lot. They all know it, you know, missed out, you know, seeing my goddaughter grow up, my nieces and nephews, but you know, the sacrifices we make, you know, at, at, you know, when we retire, we just got to give back to our families. And I think uh, the, you know, getting back to family, Probably hitting up California because I know your mom's watching, and I'm yeah. not sure you want to meet me at some point. <laughs> yeah. Hit up California a little bit, go out there, meet moms. Um, yeah, you know, I always t- I told my mom once I was like, you know, they they were standing next to each other. They'd probably be like look like sisters, even though one's Cuban, was Puerto Rican, but yeah, and all the stuff, and you can you know blend it with my older brother. But just travel, have fun, and you know, and enjoy the. The, you know, the labor that I put in for the last 21 years of being a, a service member to our nation and, and then just give back to the community as a, a coach of some sort um, is pretty much the plan. It, it's not even about the money. It's just about enjoying life and giving back to the veteran community. You know, like I do it with, you know, with Derek all the time, um, giving him quotes and writing poetries and, and giving him ideas and we, we spitball ideas to back and forth to each other. I do it with my older brother with his business. Um, and it's just this, you know, give back to the community. Obviously, now I got you out there doing this, and I'm willing to always talk. We can always come out here and, and pick a different topic and discuss it. You know, I'm a geek like that. Um, I, you know, these are leader, these are like professional development tools for people. Um, but that's basically what I want to do. I mean, even if I have to go around little junior ROTCs, ROTCs, 
you know, cadet programs, Boy Scouts, the youth academies, and just, you know, guest speak, guest coach, whatever it is. Um, that's really what I want to do. I just want to give back and just stay fit. I kind of be like Sylvester Stallone at his age. <laughs> that's like a role model out there, you know? Um, but that's basically it, you know. There's, there's nothing set in stone. I still got about, I officially retired in August. I got tons of, of time left to really um, think about what is it that I want to do immediately after getting out. But I, I'm definitely going to take some downtime, enjoy some of the family. And like I said, if your mom's watching, I'll hit up California. I promise I'll be out there. <laughs> Hopefully COVID stops these restrictions and we can start flying. Yeah. We'll start connecting again. Um, and then obviously, you know, we, we can meet up, we can probably meet up in California and introduce me to yeah. the West Coast, you know, I'm the East Coast, baby. Yeah, I know. You're over there. So you're on that side. <laughs> but, um, um, all right. So now if you can, if you can, uh, give me like one, let's say like a sentence or two for veterans who are listening and maybe not even just veterans, cause I know this gets passed around, but if you can give like one statement for someone who's going through something or who needs the help or anything what would you say i think the the biggest thing is to, to actually seek help you know and if you're someone who knows someone um ask the tough questions it's asking the tough questions are you going to hurt yourself are you thinking of hurting yourself um and also education i think it's educating ourselves about the mind so for me emotional intelligence is huge for me it's something i'm always preaching and find your outlet you know find the, the healthy outlet let's just say a healthy outlet find a healthy outlet it's going to get you your, your mind right. Because I'm telling you, once the mind is good, the body's going to follow. And you're going to be successful in anything you do. But it's actually seeking out help. Friends that know somebody need to ask the tough questions. And we need to be educated. And how is it that the mind is you know, so fragile but yet so powerful at the same time? And then once we get that to where we want it to be, we can do whatever we want in this world. You know, we can be as, as successful as we want and our body will follow. It's weight loss. It's, you know, you know, running. It's just getting out of the slum and, you know, performing against as once, you know, like when we were kids and being happy to just receive a G.I. Joe. Maybe that's a little far-fetched for some of the younger guys, but G.I. Joe's was the toy, you know, Thundercats, you know, getting some of those. Well, you know, I remember those emotions. You know, we have we we still have those emotions within us as adults. So is it, how do we find those emotions of happiness and excitement again in our lives? Um, and it's probably just, you know, getting a healthy mindset, you know, like, you know, living that healthy lifestyle, whether it's active, whether it's a little bit of active, whether it's a, a balanced diet, whatever it is. But the mind is very powerful and yet so fragile. So we have to take care of it. And um, the body will follow. The body will follow. Emotions will follow. And you, you'll see you're, you're going to skyrocket and achieve things you'll never knew that you can do. Sweet. And that's 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 powerful message. I don't even have nothing to say for that one on that. That that kind of speaks in it in itself. And I appreciate everyone for watching. I know this took a little longer, but sometimes that that's what this uh, podcast is for. It's it's going to get deep at times. And for those who hang around and for those who watch it and stick around, I, I appreciate it. I'm grateful that you were able to hear whoever I'm speaking to during the week. Especially this one was really special because I've known him for 20 years now. And that's what this is about. It's if you see the name, it's Warrior Mindset and Motivation. I can provide you with this podcast, all those tools, and so can Lewis, and so can anyone else that comes on here. But it won't get you to the finish line. It'll stop you right in front of it because it requires you who's listening to make the last step to cross the line. So 
I will continue to help with this, but at the end of the day, like he has said multiple times, and I will always keep saying, you have to be the one to get over your own ego and you over yourself and cross the finish line in order to achieve greatness and success. And I'm grateful for Lewis coming on here to talk his piece. And then it was nice to catch up on this type of platform socially. So now everyone can see, and I'm sure we'll be talking again uh, as the time goes on now, since we've kind of reestablished that and, I thank everyone for listening, and I have a special treat for you guys next week on who I'm talking to. He's a really good guy, and I got to know him a little bit, and it's going to be pretty pretty cool who I'm talking with next week. So, Lewis, thanks for coming on, yeah, and no, you. you go back and do your first sergeant duties uh, and deal with lieutenants work. and whoever else and sergeant major and whoever else you're going to deal with. So uh, thanks, everybody, and tune in next week. See you later.